Felicia the moment Knight is my you princess. You I've been entertaining audiences with a unique Joey style Diaz has of provocative humor since the 90s, alright? With her tongue-in-cheek, she's been exploring such topics of the dynamics of the male-female relationships, or as we call them here in the studio, dirty thoughts, and the proliferation of the sensual feminist. She's a little firecracker rolled up, and that's why I love her, and that's why you're going to love listening. So tune in, alright? The love boat, always exciting and always new. The love boat. Come over, Mr. Diaz. Turn your phone off. Come be with me. Come sit. Oh, here he comes. And he's got spring colors on. What's up, you sexy animal? How's it going, Joey? You know, here seeing you. Greetings to all you little cocksuckers out there in Podcastville. We're back, bitches. We are back. Felicia Michaels. Joey Diaz. What's up, you sexy little oh, ray of sunshine? Oh my gosh, I've had, uh, I've had a fun week. I know. I know. Let me tell you something. Your party set off the mood for the week. Oh, yeah. And sometimes something happens on a Sunday. You get to go around family, and you have something good that it just sets off the week. Right. It's, it puts the week on a good foot. You start on the right foot. you know. Yes. So thank you very much again for inviting me to your little beautiful Soiree. Easter party. Yes. We were talking. Uh, it was funny because we were, when I got here, I, I did a one-man show last night, and you couldn't go because you took your children to a baseball game. They had boys. a double hitter. And yeah. I, I told you that, uh, you know, next time I don't want to overstep my bounds as your friend. I like to go to one of their games. And you turned to me really nonchalantly. You go, you know, if you go, you can't yell. And we had a laugh because our friend uh -huh. was here. And uh, it's really weird now with Little League Baseball and all this baseball. If you go to these games, especially like in Sherman Oaks and Woodland Hills and all those up there right you can't yell with the kids as far as like uh come on tommy you can do it this guy's got nothing he's batting you know you can't intimidate yeah you can't like yell yeah and yeah. the reasoning being because i seen the rules that my friend had to sign was because you don't i know wanna... you have to sign rules now did you sign them too yeah you have to sign as rules. a parent did yeah, you sign? okay because i seen rules. his i don't yeah, know if it's yeah, the same yeah. league and i because he would go out of town he's a comedian he would say go up to the little league field and watch my son but on the way up saturday, sun saturday morning he goes oh by the way Put a muzzle on, dog, because you cannot yell. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, wait till you go up there. These are white people. These are real Republican wasps. You cannot yell. And I, 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 it was mind-boggling to me. And then I spoke to another friend of mine that had a kid up there, and he told me they escorted him off to Little League Field. Oh, yeah. They yeah. escorted him off. They called the cops and said, you're not allowed back at the Little League game oh, because yeah. you yeah. yelled. Yeah. And he couldn't believe it. He goes, I go to professional baseball games. I didn't even say nothing bad. But uh, what do you think about that, having two boys? Uh, well, you know, uh, actually my boys played yesterday, and they, uh, they're they on two teams, and, uh, and the teams happen to be playing to, uh, uh, one after the other. So uh, uh, they beat both teams, like pretty good scores, 13 to 1 and like 12 to 3 or something like that. But my little one was on a team, and they beat him 13 to 1. And uh, and they got all excited, like, yeah, we're better. And they started, and, and the coach you know, from the, he was just like, I never want to see that. And he like freaks out on them, and all the mothers are like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you know. And uh, I think it's a weird. I think it's a good thing, but it's a it's a weird thing. Like you know, like now you can't. You're not allowed to hurt people's feelings. I get it. You shouldn't hurt little kids' feelings, but you're not allowed to yell anything out. I'm not in business to hurt little kids' feelings, but little kids have to hurt other little kids' feelings so they can grow up, and and grow and learn. I mean, we were just talking about that to an extent. I don't want a bunch of kids bullying my kid on the Lily field, but if he's 0-3 and somebody says, hey, Diaz, you suck, 
to tell them the truth. You're fucking all in three. You left bases on. You left men on the bases. You know, I mean, that's going to be life. You're going to yeah. have some disappointment according to life. I don't yeah. want you going out there and saying, hey, that Cuban kid sucks dick. That's completely wrong. Right. But, you know, you have to, and it's like most of the yelling and screaming is a, is a mental thing. You know, when coaches go, go ahead, score on him. He ain't got nothing. It's just a mental thing. So the other guy thinks he's really weak. Oh, absolutely, you know? right. And, and, yeah, and it's, yeah. that's it. So it yeah. goes into your head. I watch a UFC fight sometimes. The two guys are in the ring, and I'll go to early to the pre-card, and I'll listen to the coaches yelling at the fighters, and they're like, you see the opening, you see the opening. You don't see nothing. But the other guy's hearing that going, where's my opening? Yeah. My hands are up. <laughs> what the fuck am I doing? So it's, it's part of right, that, too. Right. You know, you're just trying to get the kids. So I, when I seen it, I, I didn't know how to describe it. I thought it was, I thought it was good. One part of it was socially, because when I played ball, people would say, "Hey, here's the fucking," because I was skinny when I played little league. Here's uh -huh. the X-ray going to bat. You know, like he ain't got nothing. You know, like the other opposing coach would go, "All right, this guy ain't got nothing." Or something. You had to learn to live with that. Now, right. if you can't do that, there's really nothing, nowhere for the kids to learn that those social skills. That's why I've never really liked homeschooling. No, homeschooling, I mean, uh, uh, for some people, I guess it works, but I, I couldn't do that with my kids because you were saying, too, when we were talking about it, about how part of education is being socialized. That's the, yeah. It's eight years of being yeah. social and, and learning the ups and downs. So when you get to be 18, nothing really affects you. You know how to handle Absolutely. things in life. I mean, listen, when you go to college, <clears throat> they did a study 20 years ago, and they found that if you read the uh, Wall Street Journal, or well, the New York Times is the one that all the smart people read. But they said if even if you were the dumbest person in the world and you read the Wall Street Journal world section from front to end every day for four years, you would learn more than what you would learn if you went to the biggest Harvard college ever. You know? But, so you read the New York Times for four years and then you go to apply for a job. And they say, what have you been doing for four fucking years? I read the New York Times every day for four years. I don't know that. When people go to college, it's to show employers, not that they got a degree in psychology or a degree in so, like all these people go, well, I have a degree in math, but I can't get a job or something like that. I know people who have degrees in fucking sports medicine, not even sports technology, which is, uh -huh. you know, how to make a sneaker or something. And today they're making $300,000 a year because all the employer really wants to see is that you did something for four years. Right. That you had a record of where you work. That's why I like these people. Oh, I'm going to go into the... To, the, to bodyguard school. Well, if I'm a fucking guy, who do I want? The guy that went to bodyguard school or the guy that was in Vietnam dodging bullets? Right. You, you learn how to be good in the fucking technical class. What, you know what reactions you get when a gun goes off next to you? You have no idea when a gun goes off next to you because you don't know where that bullet's going. You know, and, and that's what these people understand. Well, I'm a bodyguard. Bitch, the first time you hear a gun go off or an Uzi or an automatic weapon, uh -huh. you will, shit will come out of your fucking ass. I did the first time. Because I thought I wanted to be, oh, I could do this shit. The first time a gun goes off, yeah. I love how they portray bullets in the movies. Like, you just shoot at each other and whatever. Let me tell you something. When a fucking gun goes off, dog, it, it scares the shit out it's of you. It's a weird thing. And if yeah. a gun's coming yeah. at you, like you see them in movies, they duck behind rocks. Then they pull around and shoot. Let me tell you something. If I know somebody's got a gun, I ain't showing my head at all. I'm like the fucking little bug. What's that animal that comes out February 1st? Oh. Puts his head back in. <laughs> Fuck you. What's that? The hot groundhog. <laughs> I swear to God. You know, but they show these people. The, the reason why we want practical experience. And, that, and I've right. always loved that with life. I hate people who read a book and then try to tell me about a fucking subject. You know, all these people read all this Tim McKenna stuff. Whatever, the guy that was a psychological fucking warrior. And then they come and they're like, oh, you don't understand. Let me tell you something, bitch. 
I found my mother on the floor dead while I was on a hit of acid. If that's not the psychological trip of the fucking year, did, did Timmy McKenna ever fucking find his mother dead on the floor with her arm green and the colors were turning purple and red right in front of her? You understand me? So I always tell people, live your fucking life. You're going to go read some talk to guy that he had an experience. Read your life. That's the best experience you fucking get. You know, and the same thing goes with these kids. If these kids don't get yelled at an early age, hey, you suck. They're not going to go home and learn how to make adjustments and think that life is just great. Right. Oh, I went 0-3. I don't suck because nobody said, you fucking suck, bitch. You right. can't hit a lefty. You can't hit a left-handed pitcher. You better go home and work on it. But right, right. I don't know <clears throat> So you won't be going to see my kids Yes, I baseball. will. I just yell. I just yell in Spanish. That's it. You know what I'm saying? So they don't know what yeah, I'm saying. Yeah, by the way, no one would know what you were no, saying. No, there's yeah, not one Spanish the... kid. They got one Spanish little Mexican kid that don't really show them off. They see them in the back. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I did the one-man show workshop last night. This is the first one, April, whatever it was, last night. Then I'm putting it up again, May 19th. And a couple people coming to that one, see that one. And it's May 19th? Yeah, at this okay. no-hole theater thing on Lancashire. Oh, I don't know the address or okay. the name of it. Okay. Uh, and it's really weird because last night all we did was just to see where the, where the patois went, where the, where the words were. And I got to tell you, I've been writing this for two years, little by little, and, I, and it's been, you know, mistakes. I've been, you know, I ripped the computer from scratch. Yeah, and, yeah. And it's just really weird because it's very hard to talk about your life. It's very, there was one section the other day that I had to rewrite. And I got to tell you, it took me four fucking hours to write uh, when I was a kid I hung out with that crazy Balzano family the crazy Balzano family and one day we were in the in the in the, in the uh, front playing gym we didn't have a gym in McKinley so we used to have to play outside in the winter okay no fucking gym in the building winter you know gym class okay. you went outside in the winter and you yes. shovel snow yeah. like one of the things was shoveling snow okay yeah. that's how fucking bad our yeah. grammar school was <laughs> <clears throat> so one day we were playing kickball and uh this kid, uh, they were yelling, Coco got a moco. In Spanish, that means Coco boogie face. You know, even though I came from a white neighborhood in Jersey, all these motherfuckers spoke Spanish because they were Italian. So they understand. They're Sicilian. So you're halfway there. So all these little Sicilian kids knew. And then a couple of Irish picked up little words. Like my, we had the kid who had uh, fleas. And fleas in Spanish is piojo. So all these white kids would say, Clemito tiene piojo. And they were white kids, but they would speak Spanish. You know uh -huh. what I'm saying? It was cute. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And when you're the only Spanish kid in the class, there's maybe one other one, it's kind of weird. So they're playing kickball and they're yelling this, and the teacher turns around and goes, hey, you're not allowed to fucking speak Spanish in my class. And to be honest with you, my mother at home said, you're in America now. Outside the house, don't yeah. talk Spanish. It's very fucking rude. You know? We're in America. You want to talk Spanish, talk in the house. When you're in front of white people, please have the fucking decency to speak fucking English. That's all you could do for these people. They let us in our country. You know what I'm saying? My mom was selling drugs, but she was very patriotic at the same time. So, <laughs> so uh, and that's a true story. Oh, my I know. Mom, that's why My it's mom funny. had a picture of Kennedy on the fucking wall. Yeah, you understand me? Like, yeah. Most Cubans have a picture of Kennedy with an X going through it. Yeah. My mom had a picture of Kennedy. Uh, she loved Jack Kennedy. You know, I mean, it's amazing. So, you know, they're yelling, and all of a sudden the teacher tells Anthony, you can't speak Spanish. Anthony goes, you know what? Go fuck yourself, guy. The guy comes over and starts pulling Anthony's head, just pulling it. So me and this kid, Martin Perez, jump in. This is the eighth grade. And we fucking grab the teacher. He turns around and grabs my hair, and we got him. And also the teachers had, like, uh, all the classes, were in the, all the older classes were on the basement. So they could see what was going on. So that's, you know, all these teachers came out and all these students came out. But he made a mistake. He hit that kid, Anthony Balzano, who his dad was Carmine the Torch. 
<laughs> so we all go upstairs to the principal's office. We sit down. Anthony says, can I get a piece of paper? Take him a piece of paper. He's just going like this with his hand. I'm, right now I'm taking my, ha my hand and waving it through my hair. And he took the piece of paper with all the hair on it that the guy pulled down. He mm. put it on top of the desk. And he goes, I need to use your phone. He called his father. Ten minutes, there's four cop cars outside. Three cop cars get out. They start giving tickets. Carmine comes up. This is one of the most touching things that ever happened to me in my life. It took me four hours to write this, and I, it took me a month to call and, because I wanted to get my facts straight. So I called kids that when I went home, mm -hmm. I looked up kids that were in the eighth, eighth grade class that remembered that event, and I asked them what had happened. And one girl goes, do you really know what happened that day, what that fight was about? And I go, no, it was about you. She goes, you don't remember? And I go, I kind of do what he said. Let me tell you what happened there. Now, when I had moved from New York City to, New to Jersey, I had stuck up for Anthony one day. He was getting beat up by this Irish family. And I had just moved to, it was my first day in the neighborhood. And I'm looking at this, and from New York, I know not to let people get jump on. You want to fight them one-on-one, one, one -on -one, mm -hmm. we're in. Right. So I jump in, I try to break it up, and this kid looks around, and he's like, man, all these kids were here, and you're the only one that stuck up for me, a fucking spick. You know, a fucking spick stuck up for me. And I always remembered that. So I he invited me into his house and all this shit, so... We, uh, we go upstairs to the principal's office. He calls. His father comes. His father comes into the office. He's like, what happened? And everybody's yelling at him. Da, 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 this kid said this. And he goes, enough. Coco, what happened? <laughs> and I go, here's what happened. I was kicking the ball, and they were yelling in Spanish, and he said he didn't want Spanish. And he goes, yeah, what? And I go, that's what happened. And then or people got mad because he said that. And he goes, how did you feel about it? And I go, me? It didn't bother me, Carmine, to be honest with you. My mother told me not to speak Spanish outside the house. So then he goes like, hey, you know those, you know, uh -huh. like right now you have two children, right? And you'll walk in and and you, so, the babysitter will say something happened, and then you'll ask your older boy right. what happened. But you know the younger boy will always tell you what happened right. to the letter right, with right. no bullshit. This is the way Anthony was. He had four boys, so he looks at Anthony, he goes, Anthony, what happened? And Anthony's huffing and puffing because he's hot and his hair and he's got the sheet of paper in his hand with it. And he throws a piece of paper and he goes, let me tell you what fucking happened. That piece of shit said we couldn't speak Spanish. And as far as I'm concerned, uh, Coco's fucking Spanish. And as far as I'm fucking concerned, nobody, nobody disrespects that kid while I'm around. And I just, you know, I never heard that. Somebody had my back, you know. And all of a sudden Carmine looks at him and he goes, you're right. He goes to the principal, let me talk to the teacher. And he goes, Carmine, if the teacher comes out, there's not going to be a problem, is there? And the guy's like, no, I just want to talk to him to let him explain what's going on here. This guy didn't take two feet out. Carmine grabbed him and started punching him. Boom, the guy went down and he's kicking him. Those De Niro kicks and Goodfellas. Right. He's kicking Where's him. Where's the cops at this point? The cops are outside giving tickets. Carmine's right. a cop. So they're oh, yeah. outside giving tickets, right? Carmine, Carmine the torch is a cop. He's a cop in real life. He's kicking this fucking guy, bam, bam, in the stomach. And while he's kicking him, he was saying, don't you ever insult my son, Coco. So here I am, fucking part of this. And I always knew I was part of the family. Yeah. This just confirmed it. That was the handshake that said, he called me his fucking son, you know? Yeah. So two weeks later, we're at the courts with the same Anthony Balzana kid. And we're playing, and he says to me, hey, man, my mother called me up. Do you want to go in for dinner with me? And I go, no, because I used to go to karate from 6 to 9. 13 to 15, you go to uh -huh. later classes at little kids, then the men's classes at night. So I went up to the to the uh, uh, karate class, and then usually on the way down the hill, I would walk down, and if it's, you know I would go to his house and shoot hoops till about 11. I would call my mother and say, I'm over at the Balzano house. Well, that night when I was walking down, there was no lights on at the house. I was like, wow, maybe they went out for ice cream or something. Who knows? 
And I go home the next morning. I go to school, and Wally Lindsay, one of my teachers, this is how corrupt my school was. He was the mayor of Weehawken. He was a high school teacher, at, a grammar school teacher at the yeah. same time. I walk in. He goes, can I talk to you outside for a second? He goes, hey, dog. Anthony got into a car accident outside. He's in a coma. He might not live. And I remember going to the hospital and, and, and touching his hand. But what I remember the most was that Carmine and Marianne, the mother and father, went on national news before Saturday Night Live on a Saturday and local news, like Eyewitness News, where it was NBC. And they said, listen, because at that time in Jersey, was a thing called the Karen Quinlan case. A girl went out and got drunk and ate Valiums, and then she went into a coma. And there was this big case about pulling the plug. Uh -huh. So he didn't want to pull the plug on Anthony, so he, he was pleading with them. Here's this big, tough, fucking mafia fucking cop, like, just saying, please, if there's any doctors who can help my boy, I'll pay you any amount of money. Money's no fucking object. And it was true because he was robbing the town at the time. He got caught with <laughs> corruption later on. But I still love Carmine. Yeah. I talked to him yesterday. I talked oh, to him yesterday did? on the phone. Yeah. Before I went and did the one-man show, I called him up and I go, hey, if this is any good, we're going to call it Meet the Balzanos. Because that's what it was. <laughs> it was my world with them. And that kid died May 17th. But it was so weird that that was the first time in my life that I had somebody stick up for me and was proud of me in a way, you know? Yeah. It took me fucking, you know, four months to get all the stuff in. And then it took me five hours to write that piece because I was crying the whole five hours. Just that's the tough thing about right. one-man shows. And the other thing that's really tough about one-man shows is that people have forgotten what a one-man show is. People keep saying to me, well, you know, how funny is it? You're not supposed to be funny. The stories are what's funny. When you watch Goodfellas and they're sitting at the kitchen table after they kill the guy and put him in the trunk of a car and they're eating breakfast with the mom and then he looks up with a knife and he goes, Ma, can I borrow this to cut the hoof off the fucking thing? That's hysterical. That they even Can you imagine me killing somebody and coming over here and eating with your family while the guy's in the trunk? That's the funny thing. You don't have to add anything funny to it. Right. That's the thing about a one-man show. So I tried to remove the stand-up from it and let the comedy be in the stories. And it's just really hard to write, Felicia. But you know no, what? I'm, I'm so happy, happy I did, did it. it. I'm and so I, happy. And I, and I want you to do it because uh. you have stories, too. And it's really weird what you find <laughs> But my stories aren't like your stories. It doesn't matter. We all had a life, and we yeah. all have stories. It doesn't matter. And we all went through some type of something that we learned from. That's you know, true. Who would have learned in that violence? I picked up that those two motherfuckers loved me. Mm -hmm. Those, after that kid died, that house was never the same. You know what oh, I'm saying? I'm sure. Uh, the whole neighborhood was never the same. I was in denial. I went from smoking pot and drinking Boone's Farm once a month to doing window pane acid. I went for like, I didn't start doing heavy drugs till two years later. But for that year, I, it was amazing. I started doing THC crystal, a.k.a. horse tranquilizer. That They give it a fancy name, but I went from one extreme to another. And I didn't know that then, but now... I was in denial from the pain of Anthony. You know, I didn't yeah. even know. You yeah. find out years later. So, well, if you're planning on doing a one-man show, you better drink some fucking uh, tranquilizers, ulcer, ulcer medication, <laughs> because I almost got an ulcer right in this. Oh, really? Yeah, it it, it fucked with me a couple of days, and a couple of days I come here because it's the truth. It's yeah. your life, bro. Yeah. This is you're looking at a mirror, and yeah. there's no lying. You know, they say when cats smell you, it's a background check. They know every cat you've ever had contact with. And that's why some cats like people more than others because they could smell it. They have a lot of contact with cats, you know. And this is what it was, that experience, writing it out. And I tell everybody, like people say to me, well, I have a bad memory. I tell you what, sit down and write something. Start writing it and ask your parents questions and, and they'll come back to you. And it's painful when it is. Yeah. You'll figure out why you fucking forgot it. You'll figure it out. Oh, You'll yeah, go, oh, I'm my sure. God, yeah, I forgot yeah, that yeah. sentence because that dug into my fucking yeah. soul.
Felicia had the Easter party. You know, everybody had cameras. You know, everybody's got a fucking camera today. So everybody posted pictures. <laughs> so right now on Facebook, there's got to be about 20 pictures of Felicia, you know, serving meat and drinking coffee and eating fruit. And I got to tell you. because everyone has a, a, a camera on their phone. Right. But those things are notoriously fuzzy all the time. Yeah. So how do you but look you bad because you're fuzzy? Beautiful. You looked beautiful. Just, and every, I was looking at a picture of you that like you're bringing out like a platter with cake. I know, but I posed for And I would fuck you in that picture. That's really? how beautiful you look. I almost whacked <laughs> off to that picture. That's a girl. I was holding a platter of meat. <laughs> because nobody, no woman ever has a cake in her hand. That's beauty right there. Oh, and I had the cake. Oh, yeah. you had the cake. Yeah. You had something in your yeah. hand. I'm like, look at Felicia yeah. looking hot. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> That's my little side pussy. Yeah, do, do that again. Do. Like a motherfucker. Wow. Wow. When you eat pussy, you got to learn head techniques and movements. And when you eat ass, at the beginning, you always eat it twisted because the asshole is up there lingering. You know what I'm saying? So, no. <laughs> I you wish you older, guys could see the you, visuals that I'm sure, seeing Sure, right because now. when you eat ass when you're young, you don't want to touch the asshole. So you always eat ass <laughs> at the 3 o'clock position. You know what I'm saying? But either the more drunk you get or the more experienced you get, your head goes towards lunchtime because it's getting closer to the asshole. And you, after a while, you say, fuck it. There's nothing I can do. It's here. You know what I'm saying? Yes. I can't hide from the asshole. I can't put like a hospital sheet yes. in between me and the guy next door. Look at Felicia. Why are we I'm talking just about like, this shit? Yeah, Why are we talking you about this shit? Give me advice on how to enjoy an asshole before 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Hey, what are you going to do? <laughs> if you ain't high by 2, go fuck yourself. And you don't eat fast by 3, there's something wrong with you. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> There, you can add it on. There you go. <laughs> what was the story you had for me? You had a story. Oh, well, uh, big news with the activity partner. <gasps> dun, 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 dun. And I knew this was coming any no, day now because she's been looking happier uh, and happier. He uh, came. He looked so handsome the other day. But it wasn't that. Like, I met him uh, two months ago, three months ago, and he was very handsome then. But the smile wasn't as big. So I'm even thinking either... She shoved her tongue deep, deep, deep into the crevice of his pee hole. Or he's in love. <laughs> or he's in love. Oh, well, anyway. Anyway. So, uh, Don't but, fucking deny me. Don't deceive me. Women this, always hate this but shit. But this is you. the thing. It's like uh, this is the first time in my life where, where I haven't, uh, you know, uh, that I've been trying to be relaxed about stuff. I mean, I do my weirdness anyway. But uh, <laughs> if these I was like, fuck it. Do. Let's just go with the flow. And, uh, and then I opened up the Facebook, and he's like, uh, I'm in a relationship with Felicia Michaels. And I was like, what? I actually texted him, I think someone has hacked your account. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> what's going on? Like, you know, do I write something? I better not write something, you know? And, and, uh, and uh, so anyway, because I, you know, it's, it's a new modern way to go about love, that's for sure, you know? Christ Almighty, and I only had to uh, defriend him about 37 times <laughs> to get him to, to push that fucking button. You know what the funny thing is that some people have have met their daughters on Facebook or their lost long children. You right. found out you were in a relationship on, on Facebook. It's a whole new thing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like it's a whole new fucking life out there. But I gotta tell you something, uh, and I tell you this in a sincere way because you know I hate everybody. I don't lie. I can't stand half of these motherfuckers. I've always liked. <laughs> Your activity partner activity and you two cool. together are one of the cutest couples. Aww. I wish you don't lose your we'll mind see. and fucking fire him like you do to most of these heartbreakers when they Aww. start getting too close to all my right, girl. All right. So anyway, ah! uh, a word from Cut our that. sponsor. Cut that. A <laughs> word from our sponsor. <laughs> oh, we're going back with my main fucking man over here, SkinIndustries.com, a leader in athletic apparel. Go to SkinIndustries.com. Get your uh, Beauty and the Beast collective t-shirts some people calling and emailing seeing if we could sign them and send them back so i gotta I put know. a whole package together where i get three we days need an and, intern 
We need, we need an, an I, intern. I'm my own fucking intern. Trust oh, me. we need an intern. No, I'm my we own intern. We should have a contest for, for a Beauty and the Beast intern. You don't want to be an intern here. Yes, you do. No, yes, you, you do. No, you don't. This is not yes, good. This is not good. <laughs> yes, you do. No, so I got to put all this stuff together. So give me a couple of days, guys. I promise you. My man in Buffalo, I got to send him two shirts. My man down in Orlando who sent me a Dr. J ball, I got a shirt for you. I got a shirt for Ali Baz in Australia. That's my man. Ali Baz yeah, loves us guy, yeah. more than anybody in the fucking world, that Australian cocksucker. Him and Mr. Big and all those guys. And I love you guys on Twitter and Facebook. I really do. And the, by the way, the, the comments uh, on our comment board, uh, people are starting to friend each other in a cocksuckery kind of way. And they're at war. And they love <laughs> they're each at other. War, they and I hug, love you guys. And cry, I love that. They want to touch peepees in the dark. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I think that now we're ready to put up like a post board where people could thread about shit. That's the next move. I had a very interesting night the other night. The activity partner, uh, and I'm sorry that I'm talking about this again, but he takes me to dinner and he's like, hey, I'm, uh, I'm going to meet some old friends of mine. Would you mind if we went to have dinner with Harry Dean Stanton, another friend of mine? You know who that is, right? Yes. And I was I like... And he was kind of like saying it like, it would it be okay if we, I was all like, yeah, I want to put my eyes on Harry Dean Stanton. Yeah, That's let's the do older it. guy. Yeah. Funny motherfucker. Yeah, he was on. Uh, oh, uh, please. He was in Godfather 2. Right. He plays the fucking bodyguard to Frankie Five Angels. <laughs> and uh, and he was in True Blood this year. And he's in one of my favorite movies of all time, Paris, Texas. And so yes, I was like, fuck, yeah, I want to go see. So, uh, so we go and uh, they're just having drinks or whatever. And he's like 85 years old. And, uh, you know, he's 85 years old, but you know what? He looked pretty good. And, and it was really fun to see. Oh, so the activity partner introduces me to him. And this is Felicia. And uh, she's, you know, I think he knew that I was a comedian or something. He's like, oh, you're a comic. And he goes, what kind of jokes do you do? And I, and, uh, I go, Harry, I do pussy jokes. <laughs> and he lights up. <laughs> and he's like, no way. And he proceeds to tell me the dirtiest pussy joke that he knows. And, uh, and it was just a really fun night because of the fact it was a bunch of these guys and the activity partner, Harry Dean Stanton, and to see how much people loved him. Like people would come up to him in the restaurant. You know, people made sure he was eating. You know, people made sure, uh, you know what I mean, to get that he was given the right. He's uh, a great character. Uh, yeah. And he's always likable in every role yes. that he does. He yes. did a movie with Travolta and Sean Penn that's called She's So Lovely that it's not an Academy Award winner by no thing. But him and Sean Penn play these two bar rats to the fucking essence. Yeah. And there's one, here they are at a bar. Henry Dean Stanton's got eight drinks in front of him. He does blow. He does everything in this movie. <coughs> Excuse me. And he's sitting there, and fucking Sean Penn's talking about Martians and lesbians and just in this rant. He's going crazy in the movie. Mm -hmm. He really goes, they put him in an insane asylum. He's going crazy, and Harry goes, whoa, whoa, stop that talk. You know I'm a Catholic? And I fucking lost it. Because <laughs> he was just talking about Martians. There's another scene. He goes to Travolta's house, and Travolta whips out a gun. And he goes, whoa, put that thing away. It ain't that type of party. That's yeah, a great line. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? That's yeah. a great line. He's always, and I think he must write the lines himself because they can't be any cooler, his lines. Yeah. Yeah. That was fucking great. That is a that's Isn't a really that a fun good yeah night? yeah. And I thought, well, should I say it on the podcast and then that's name dropping? But you know what? It's like fuck. It was. Oh, people want to see this shit. But it was really you know. And, the, and when we left, the activity partners like, I'm sorry if I got you were bored with all the stories. And and it's like you know what? Are you fucking I kidding love me, when guy? people sit around in a circle, 
have a couple of drinks, oh. have great food, and just tell each other uh, whether it's stories they've lived or other, uh, stories about other people. You know, it was really nice to see uh, that kind of camaraderie uh, between. Uh, he was a regular yeah. guy. No Twitter, yeah. no drama, yeah. no TMZ. I w- Harry Dean Stanton should be on Twitter. <laughs> but you know what's crazy, Felicia? That I would get off more sitting with him than sitting with Felicia. Uh, Angelina Jolie. Like, I would have nothing to talk to her about. I don't even want to look at it. Yeah. You know, like, there's so celebrities that people go crazy over. They're not the ones. I remember for the first time I was on Sunset, and I was in a car, and I'm at a light, and I turn over, and I see James Coburn and an Acura, whatever, NSX. That, to me, was like seeing God. Yeah. Plain and simple. Fuck all these fucking kids, this guy from the social network. They could all suck my dick. This is James motherfucking Coburn. Yeah. You know, there's nothing like seeing one. I was just at lunch and I seen, I went to get a sandwich at Roma on the way here because mm-hmm. I hadn't eaten since breakfast and Tony Danza walked in. It didn't mean nothing to me, you know what I'm saying? I could have said hello to him, but I could care less, you know? There's just some people that grab me and, you know, he, I, I can't even tell you, I, I'd die if he was around me. Right. He was in the fucking Godfather too. He played the guy that was the caster of the Frankie Five Angels. By the way, one of the greatest characters in any movie. If you've never seen Godfather 2, for the Cuba and all that shit, that's all visual. And they had uh, the, my favorite Jew of all time, Maya Lansky. They portrayed him. He was portrayed by the famous acting teacher. Pacino got him to do it. It's a great movie. But please, focus on fucking Frankie Five Angels. I forget what his name is. And Henry Lee Stratton. Because he would talk to him all the time. Yeah. Come on. You ready to go? We got to go. Today's your big day. Hey, Frankie, you ready to play cards? It was it was them too. Yeah. But Fra- have you ever seen Godfather 2? It's been a while. I never saw Godfather 2. Godfather 2. They go to Cuba. And they meet Maya Lansky and the whole thing. But there's a scene in there that a lot of people don't know that uh, there, was, there was a big, big fat guy. And Adam Sandler come up to me once and he goes, you know, the best stomach on television was the guy in The Godfather when he's laying down in the bed in the first one. He goes, but I think your stomach is second. This guy had a great stomach. Uh-huh. And he lived in North Bergen at the time. When they buried him, they buried him at Veneri Funeral Parlor, my friend's funeral parlor. That's, that's how much I had in common with this fucking <laughs> fat guy. But I guess for Godfather 2, they couldn't come up to a... So uh, they couldn't come up to a contract agreement, so they made him like he died, and they put one of the soldiers up, and it was played by this old guy that's bald. Oh my God, Felicia, is he fucking good and hysterical, and people say his lines all the fuck. Michael Corleone did this. Michael Corleone did that. He just has great lines. So if you ever get a chance to watch Godfather Two, focus on Frankie fucking Five Angels. I have a story about patience. And well, I want to tell a very interesting story about patience. I need to patience. hear it, because I need patience. I was never a patient guy growing up. And I'm going to give a shout-out before I tell this story about patience to my man, Mikey El Negro, a.k.a. down in Florida there from North Bergen. He's going he's to remember this story. I don't know if you were around there. He's one of my friends from Jersey that listens to this. We had this friend growing up. His name is Randy Mergel. Randy Mergel was an Irish-German kid, kind of big naturally, had a couple brothers. And uh, he was a street kid. When he was a junior or a sophomore, he robbed a safe and had $25,000 in it from the embroidery company. And he became a dealer. And mm-hmm. he was very good at it. And he was very athletic, but he didn't want to be part of society like that way and play football. His senior year, he went out for football. And this kid hadn't hit since uh, the eighth grade. And they had to start him. He was a fucking wild man, this kid, Randy Mergle. And we used to do some crazy. We almost got killed once. I almost died with him. I did a hit of acid and went down to Jersey Shore and went on the water slides. And I popped my head up and a bridge was coming. If I wouldn't have ducked, I wouldn't have been here talking to you right now. I would have died. 
And I knew him that good. We used to party till 5 in the morning. We went to see ACDC. We took a bus down the shore once on acid to listen to ACDC. The bus driver kept pulling over and telling us to stop. And well, I became friends with him. And then, as usual, you drift off as you get older. And when he was still 19, we hung out with this guy that wasn't from North Bergen. Until his dad, I don't remember his name. And he was kind of a big guy, you know, and he bought coke from Randy. And one night I hear, did you hear what happened to Randy Bergel? He went out last night with a bunch of guys and got beat up. That seems odd, because I don't know a lot of people who could beat Randy up. So when I get to the hospital, the kid hit him with a pipe. He goes, I don't know where I was. He goes, bro, I was in, North, I was in Fort Lee and these black guys attacked me. and It was the weirdest fucking thing. They hit me with a pipe and everything. So he comes out of the hospital. We're like, Randy, we're here for you. If you want to get a car and go up to Fort Lee and look for these people. He's like, nah, just give it time. Give it time, you know. I'm not going to find these guys, blah, blah, blah. And this went on for about a year. One night I get a call from Randy Murgan. He's got a couple beers in him. And he goes, where are you? He goes, I'm over here by this thing. He goes, I'll pick you up. I want to talk to you about something. I think I owed him 40 bucks. But I thought I was mad at him. I thought he was mad at me about the 40 bucks. He pulls up and he goes, hey, man, I want to tell you a true story. He goes, I lied to you. You're one of my best friends. And you really came to my aid when I got hit. And I never wanted to tell you. He goes, I know who hit me that night. But if I got up out of bed, he was ready for me. This kid made up a story that he didn't remember who hit him. Yeah. He just made up the story that he was too high. It was that guy that used to come and buy blow from him that was getting him high, gave uh -huh. him like a bunch of quaaludes, and thought that Randy had forgotten, like he was blacking out. And he started beating on Randy to take his money and his coke. Randy kept telling people for years, I don't know who it is, I don't know who it is, I don't know who it fucking is. And he goes, I know where the guy lives now because he kept, he became friends with him. He still was friends with the guy. He kept telling the guy, bro, where'd you drop me off last night? Really? And the guy was saying, oh, I dropped you off in fucking Sherman Oaks. Randy knew the whole thing. He just wanted to let the guy rest. What a yeah. brilliant fucking plan. And he goes, I just want you to know you're going to read about the fucking paper in about a week. And sure enough, about 10 days fucking later, Man gets brutally attacked in Union City. Piped. They cut him. They fucked this motherfucker up. Took him 18 months to do it. But watch how he fucking played it. He played it straight from the hospital. He knew exactly who it was when he was in the hospital. And I was there when the cops were leaving. And he told the cops how he didn't know. I have no idea. I don't know. I was high. Yeah. So did, he get, did he get caught? What happened no. to that guy? I think the guy was fucked up for a while, like wheelchair yeah. shit for a while. He fucked him up. Randy Mergle died about two years ago in Florida. One of the best guys I know, RIP. Yeah. I was just thinking about stories that these animals that we listen to love. And if that's not patience, guys, and he played it right. Because wow. I would have lost my mind in the hospital. This guy, I remember going to see him in the hospital. Wow. I remember going to his house, and he had the stitches across his face yeah. like Frankenstein. He kept, wow. and he would call the guy and give him blow. He let the guy relax. He let the guy sit for fucking a year. Nothing, nothing. Yeah, we're wow. best friends, man. I'm sorry wow. about that letting you go. And he fucking waited for the guy and piped him almost to fucking death for doing that to him. For the last couple of years, uh, my blood pressure's been high. But it's not like been high, like high. It's been off the charts high. So the doctors gave me medication. I go to acupuncture, and then it goes back and forth. You know what I'm saying? It goes back and forth. 
you know, I lost the weight. I try to work out. They said if you do certain yoga positions, it lowers your blood pressure. I try to do those every morning. You know, anything that elevates your heart. So, like, uh, headstands. Or I can't do no fucking headstand. I'm not going to sit here. But they have bridges and <laughs> shit you could do and crabs right, upside. Right. So I do all those in the morning, you know. And I go down. I walk in there. No cigarettes. No weed. Eight hours of sleep. And I'm 180 over 110. So the only other thing they're dismissing is that I have white coat disease, which means that whenever you're around doctors, your blood pressure goes up. Right. Which oh, it, that would make sense. It makes yeah. sense. But yeah. they don't believe it. They say, you know what? It's getting too, and my heart doctor's concerned, and his doctor's concerned. So finally, I'm starting to get concerned. I don't want to fucking have a stroke, you know? No, 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 no. So uh, I went down there last week for my knee, and I talked to him about it. And again, my blood pressure was high. So over the weekend, he wants me to piss in a jar one pee just straight, and then the other one's in hydrochloric acid. That's the one I'm peeing in today. Uh-huh. And then I have to bring it to them. And then if they can't find the results then, they're going to make me swallow some fucking ink and look through my veins. Maybe there's a vein that's not contract- contracting or something like that. Right. I don't know, you know. But that's, my ankles used to swell like Ralphie Mays. You uh-huh. know, when you're 400 pounds, your circulation sucks. And that's what I've been working on the most is my circulation the last couple of months. That's why I got into yoga and I go to stretch classes and I go to karate because it's a lot of stretching involved. So that's wow. all it is. That's, wow. that's the reason. I mean, you know what, man? Uh, our bodies are like a car, and we never know it. You know, oh, once I the know. warranty, the warranty, once you have three years, 36 miles, 1,000, you get 3601, and all of a sudden the fucking axle goes out. With bodies, you know, and, and you know, you've had rough lives, whatever, if you do drugs or whatever, by 44, 45, the diabetes starts acting up, and that no, was my major take, concern. Yeah, you have to take care of it. Absolutely. And you got to be a good friend to yourself and just do little fucking things, you know. Yesterday I walked around for an hour. This morning I walked. Ter- you know, I try to I try to do little fucking things. You know, yeah. so uh, you know, and and I tell you, I wish I would have started this at twenty. We have a lot right. of listeners that are twenty and twenty one. You know, go to the doctor. You know, they say you could die from a heart attack from a fucking tooth. Like if your tooth is infected, it could go right to your fucking heart. There's so many little things that could happen. And if you have insurance and you have a decent job, you have insurance, use it. I had insurance for fucking eight years, SAG insurance, and I wouldn't. I never even knew that. I never even went down there. When I met, are you Sarah, serious? In that whole eight years, you had SAG. You never. I got here in '97. Uh-huh. In January '97, I got. I booked a movie, and they gave me SAG insurance right away. One Lucky time, dog, really? yeah. One time wow. I went to the dentist. Uh, I had an abscess, and I went to see the Sinai, and they did some shit, and I didn't pay, and I thought I had bad credit, and it never came up because the insurance picked up hundred percent right. SAG insurance. <laughs> you know, they were like a different name and shit. And they're like, no, you have a well, SAG ID card. Well, that's the thing too. You know, when you grow up in in a lifestyle like you were saying, uh, everything was under the table, and no one really paid. You know, whatever happens, it's not. Re- in when your mother passed away to get Social Security, right? She didn't work enough quarters because she worked under an alias. Right. When you grow up like that, like I kind of grew up like that, like I I didn't know you could get insurance. I didn't know you could get a credit card. I didn't know. You know what I mean? Like you don't know certain things. Well, you're in a cash business, so I always like cash and stuff like that, but you never know. And now, I'll tell you what, man. I go to acupuncture. I try to do everything I can that the insurance has to right. offer. You know, I took a pamphlet home today. They got a pool up in Woodland Hills that you go to. Yeah. This Saturday at Toluca Lake, they're teaching Qigong. Yeah. You know, but if we don't take advantage of those fucking things they have to offer, then why are you paying into it? I got to make a certain amount of money every year uh, with movies, and I have to pay fucking quarters, you know? So yeah. so what quarterly the fuck? Tax quarterly taxes. It's like the you, killer. They fucking kill you every three months for a new car. So... You know what? I'm going to fucking use it to my advantage. Yeah. For all those years I didn't use it, I'm banging them out now. You know what I'm saying? 
it almost makes you want to go on welfare. Anyway. <laughs> Woo, that's a deep one right <laughs> no, there. No, you know, my uh, my mother was on uh, welfare because my mother was an invalid. And, uh, and she just would do the goofiest shit. And then when she died... I had to go back and and she was a little bit of a pack rat like the like I can't watch that show hoarders because my mom had could hoard you know what I mean and she would do stuff like she would have 50 candles on a shelf these are I'm collecting candles but it's like well let's burn a couple of them you know what I mean you can't say fucking everything but when I had to clean up her apartment I found that she had a gold American Express card and I was like what the fuck you know what I mean like how did you get that I've always been a student of anything I do, but the biggest student I've always been is of life. I've always liked to watch people ever since I was a kid. Like when I was 16, I'd watch the people who joined the army around my area, and I'd watch how they'd act when they come back to see if anything was going to happen to their life. And they come back four years later, and they were the same drunk they went when they went. Mm -hmm. So I knew like I wanted something to change my life, but I would always look at different people. And last week in the last podcast, we told the story about, you know, this podcast is about, you know, being optimistic. Right. And we talk about how your life changes and now. We talked about Steven Tyler, how I went to see him, and here's this guy. He's got no fucking bandmates left. You know, he's on heroin. He's playing the bottom of the fucking barrel, whatever, the soap factory in Jersey, which is the bottom of the fucking barrel, you know what I'm saying? And you got to think, and also 26 years later, he's on American Idol. And then I was thinking about a different story, about a different guy that I've always watched because I liked him. I've always liked to watch people. Like, I always watch comedians. Mm-hmm. Not watch their sets, but I watch what they do. I'll pinpoint two people, and I'll watch what they do and the results of what they got mm-hmm. from doing that. Right. With the big picture, not the little picture. Well, maybe absolutely. Like, Dane Cook, whenever he says a punchline, he tugs at his teeth. No, no, I don't talk about that. No, no, I don't <laughs> talk about that. To hide his muffin top. I'm talking he about does, what, what happens. Look at a Dane Cook video No, every right, day. right, right. Yeah. No, I'm talking about when you get a Showtime special. What does it really do for you? When you move up the food, you know, there's a Showtime special do more for you. There's a Comedy Central special do more for you. So I always make comparison notes. And then I make notes of where people are and where they are now. And it's and I do it with athletes. I do it with musicians. Just because okay. I want to see if my prognosis was right. Right. And then we took yeah, it. Like, yeah. Just, then we yeah. take a look at a guy like Lawrence Taylor. In, in, in the early 80s, Lawrence Taylor was my world. You know, I played linebacker. I loved how he played the fucking game. He went out there and he fucking tortured people. You know, I remember Thanksgiving Day, him running back 97 yards on a thing and me sitting there going, holy shit, this guy's an animal. Then the the rumors came out about the drug use and the crack and everything. And I put two and two together, but I read his book and they always talked about how, you know, he did, anybody who does coke knows you fucking can't do coke before a fucking game. Because you, even if even if you were that much of a junkie, you loved the game so much, and you're trying to focus that when they're paying you that much money. Yeah, you did coke the night before, and you probably did coke till four in the morning. But people are like, oh, he's so good because he does coke before the games. Don't be fucking such an asshole. You're on adrenaline. Your heart would fucking blow up. But the point of this story is, in 1985, right before I was getting ready to leave New Jersey, my friend's house burnt down. And the, the, the insurance company put him in a hotel, but they happened to put him in the Sheridan Center in, a, off of, in Lyndhurst. And it was this beautiful fucking hotel at the time. And all the black athletes would hang there, like from any team that played for Jersey or New York. Some of the Knicks would play it, hang out there, the Jets, the Giants, the Generals at the time, which is the USFL Football mm-hmm. League. And this was general, it was a USFL League that came in the spring. 
So she used to tell me about all these players that hung out, and they had the best happy hour ever. If you bought a soda, they had, like, steak on a stick, and they had all this shit that <laughs> nobody else had. Potatoes, beef stew. Right. Everybody else was giving you little finger sandwiches. The fucking Sheridan threw down. So before you know it, we would just go to the Sheridan, get drunk, get a package delivered at the Sheridan, and then she lived upstairs with her mom. They gave her a hotel room and her mom a hotel room, and we were all friends. And it's really funny that one day Lawrence Taylor walked in, and here I am at the bar, Felicia, Gacked out of my mind. It's 10.30 at night. <laughs> I've been drinking those brown rum and Cokes, those fucking, uh, they used to drink something there, Bahama Mamas that had like light rum. And, right. You know, I'm fucking lit and I'm bumping up and I'm watching Lawrence Taylor I'm wa and I got this big old rock of Coke in a fucking, uh, like a newspaper yeah. with the thing top and I have it in my pocket and I'm basically going into the bathroom every 15, 20 minutes and just putting a rock in my nose and coming out. Oh my God, Joey. So Lawrence Taylor walks in with shorts Sneakers, a guinea t-shirt, you know, a wife uh -huh. beater, and a black leather jacket from head to toe over the Right on, right on, right on. Right on, right on. <laughs> Baddest motherfucker in the league. It's 10.30, and I'm watching him. I see that he's going in and out of the bathroom. He's hanging out with a bunch of other players and the Giants, but he keeps going in and out of the bathroom. So I go, I'm going to wait till he goes in the bathroom, and I'm going to fucking go in there. Now, at the time, it was 1985. He, had one, he hadn't won a Super Bowl yet. But he had one defensive player of the year, rookie of the year. He, everybody knew who the fuck he was. And it's funny that one time he went into the bathroom and I went in there after him real quick. And he was pissing and I went to the stall like three down. So he would have to walk past me. And Felice says he walks past me. I go, LT, what up? And he goes, what's happening, baby? I go, LT, I got the shit that killed Kennedy. You want to do a bump? And I showed him the coke rock and he looked at the coke rock and he looked at me and he goes... Get the fuck away from me, you dumb motherfucker. He goes, I'll throw a beating on your white fucking ass right now. And I'm like, dog, I don't know. I was just asking you want to do a bump. He goes, get that shit away from me, you lucky motherfucker. I'm going to get you thrown the fuck out of here right now. Like, he just went off on me. And I didn't think any different of him. You know really? what I'm saying? Yeah. I didn't think any different of him. I understand. You know, I was disrespectful to him. You just don't approach somebody. I should have talked to him first for a little while. And then in the conversation, he would have said, hey, your jaw's moving. And I would have said, so is yours. Let's Let's go fucking share a bump. You know what I'm saying? You just can't go, you just can't go up to a guy and grab their tit a woman. You got to massage him first. Same thing happened. Right, I met right. him in the men's bathroom. That's like, hey, true. man, That's you want to do true. a fucking bump? But it's so weird. Like, you think about it right there. At that time, 85, he was the fucking top of his world. Like, you know, even with the drugs, I expected him. What do you expect for him to retire and to maybe be a sportscaster and to be Lawrence Taylor? When you see him, you shake his hand and he's still a gentleman. And I don't feel any different about him because of that situation. But look at where he is today. He just got caught with an underage fucking hooker that was kidnapped from her parents. What a fucking mess. What a fucking mess at this age. Yeah. You know, what a fucking mess. You know, you always live your life so you do all the good, bad shit out of the way early and then you're fucking golden years. You just sit at home and get social security checks and you drink. Whatever the fuck are you going to do, you know? Can you imagine being on probation when you're 56? Last week I read where he had to go into court because he has to register now as a sex offender. You know how embarrassing that is? And he's married. Yeah. He's fucking married, you know? I mean, so it has to stop somewhere. So you have to think of yourself... 
where did Steven, because Steven Tyler finally went into a rehab and they came out with Done With Mirrors and, and the rest is history, you know, walked this way with the fucking Run DMC and the rest was history. But somewhere along the line, both of these people had to look at themselves in the mirror and say, I don't want this to go on. And I've heard through the grapevine that Steven Tyler still has a drink once in a while or does a bump here and a bump there, but he looks fucking great. It's how to maintain it. Mm -hmm. You know, for Lawrence Taylor to let his life go out of control and it hasn't gotten any better. It's just gotten worse over the years. Every fucking three years, he gets caught with crack. Yeah. That's the famous thing when they go, Lawrence, on ESPN, and Lawrence, what happened? He goes, I was framed like a motherfucker. That was one of the greatest quotes <laughs> of all time. That's what I'm going to call this episode. <laughs> yeah. I was framed, framed like, like a, a motherfucker. motherfucker. <laughs> and because the cop came up to him and he asked him for crack, even then, yeah. at 45, 48, yeah. you're still fucking around with crack. No, I mean, it's, uh, I, that is, you know, like I've known people that, uh, you know, at 35, got a heroin addiction or you know like how do how do you do that at 35 you know at that point it's it's all easy <coughs> to re reassess you know and uh, that's but everyone's here for a different reason everyone has their own don't make me fucking be that chick again the you know sad what I'm thing saying? is that heroin will always fucking get you if you think cocaine and cigarettes Dude, will, get will get you, you. 14 year old girls will get you any fucking but vice heroin you have. as a fucking I whole know. felicia yeah. when you do a bump of that shit then you do another bump and then you're like hey can you get some more of that for next weekend because i had a good time then you do another two bumps and then one week you do it and you meet a girl that's hot and she's like dog you're wasting your time yeah. i got some works in here let's shoot that fat little arm of yours and thank God I never got to that point because that's oh, the point where you God. don't come back. That's a, that's a you tough just one. don't come back. You know what I'm saying? When I was a teenage girl, my mom made me watch, I think I might have been 13, 14 years old. There was a made for TV movie with Helen Hunt, and it was about how she did drugs. And, you know, when she was a teenage girl and it just it didn't end well. And you know what? That struck, stuck to me because uh, even when I was at the comedy store and they, everyone was coking up, and it was like, yeah, no. You know, like, okay, I. You know, I st st stayed up one night and wrote a letter to for my dad till about six in the morning. Cried, threw it in the trash, and then I was done with that experiment. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's uh, it's weird how things get you. They can get but you at any age. I can't even life, imagine yeah. getting a fucking. Uh, you know, we we're talking about being a fucking filthy junkie, and I was telling you the story when I had the fat ball on my neck and I had oh, yeah, surgery. Talk about that. And I had, you know, I, I was going through a time, people. That I mean, I used to get pain in my stomach if I wouldn't get high at night. By 8.05, I get this pain. You can't even describe it. Really? And I'd get in the car, and I could be honest with you guys. I'd get in the fucking car, and I'd drive, and I wouldn't even focus. Like, I was I was taking the 40 bucks out of the ATM machine. I couldn't even focus. Like, I wouldn't focus. Even in the car, I would run red lights, anything to get to that fucking guy. And until I had it in my hand, I could focus again. And it was just so weird. And it got out of control for a while. And I knew it got out of control. And I just blamed it on the comedian life. I said, fuck it. You know, this is part of writing jokes and shit. You do a G-bow. You go home. You look out a window. You get dead dick. That's all part of it. And then I had this fat ball. So I went down and I told the doctor the truth. I said, doc, I like to fucking do powder and smoke dope. He goes, well, I'll tell you what. We're going to double anesthesia here because you're a big guy. You don't want to fuck around with that stuff. So for like 20 days or something, I didn't do blow, and then I like stopped, and I couldn't take 11 days, so I, it was eight days I was exactly clean before I got the surgery from Coke. The weed I stayed away from, but man, I even took money with me to the surgery that morning. Like I knew I'm going to have the surgery, and on the way home, they're going to make me go home, but no, 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 I'm going to make two stops. So I called the medical marijuana store the night before, and I told them my story, and they go, we'll have a care package waiting for you. 
so you don't have to wait online or nothing. Just right. give us eighty five bucks or whatever it is, and we'll and we'll bring you, give you more stuff, a goodie bag. They like me, these guys. They're not there anymore. So I get this fucking surgery. I'm a cedar sinus. I take the fat ball out of my neck. I'm in recovery, and once I woke up in recovery, Felicia, it was that pain because I hadn't gotten high in eight fucking days. And they're like, Mr. Diaz, relax. We're gonna put you in your own room. You, uh, insurance cover you till tomorrow morning. I'm like, listen. I don't know what you're talking about their own room. As a matter of fact, get my pants right now. And they're like, well, we have to wait. And I, and I just threw a hissy fit. I'm like, I don't want to fucking wait. I really did get like an anxiety attack. Like I didn't like being in a room with a bunch of people going, oh, oh. You wake up in fucking recovery. Everybody's in pain. You know what I'm saying? So something between the pain of recovery and my addiction and my anxiety, I just popped up and I basically got that fucking thing out of my arm myself. I mean, it was horrible. I was ready to walk out of there with my pajamas with your ass out. And I, Terry was like, what's the problem? And I couldn't tell Terry at that time. And I got my pants on. I gave the guy a $50 tip that walked me no. from the thing to the fucking... No, you yes, did. I did. I went to the hospital with $200. No. I came home broke. My wife was like, how much did you give him? I like, $50. The guy gave me a ride. You know how they run, run you the thing? The guy fucking got me ice, a soda, a drink, anything <laughs> I wanted after I gave him the 50 Those black guys oh, get like a dollar. I threw this motherfucker a 50 <laughs> And from there, Terry's like, okay, we're going to stop and get you uh, at CVS and get your prescription. I'm like, and then we're going to go right home. I'm like, uh-uh, we got to make a stop at Dante's. And she's like, what do you mean? Why do you have to go over there for? I go, I got to get some books from him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. So I run into his oh house with this God. fucking patch on my throat and these stitches in my neck. I run in. And I go, Dante, give me the fucking powder and give me a book. He ain't got no books. He's got like high times and rolling papers and shit. So he gave me some book that belonged to his mom or something. And I put the gram of coke in there and I went to the car. And she's like, did we have to stop that book right now? I could have picked it up later. Dog, it's a good book. You know what I'm saying? It's that good of a book. Do you book. think Terry ever suspected that was happening? Fuck yeah. What woman? There's no dumb woman. You've been right. around my wife. My wife will play possum. I know. I'm but all she'll like, give you rope. Yeah, this is just. This isn't the same girl that can fix barbecues no, and light fires. No, and you know no, what I mean? No, no, no. Like, she that's knew. not a dumb. She yeah, knew, like, but she didn't want to know. Right. She loved me and. She so you that, guys never talked about it? We talked about it after I got clean, about a year after I said, you know. But this she never brought it up to you? Uh, you know, whatever. Yeah. She knew, but she didn't know, and I didn't really say nothing. And I think she was giving me rope because she thought eventually it was going to snap. Right. Wow, Joey, it, she really loves yeah, you. Yeah, and I think it would have snapped eventually. Wow. And uh, I'm happy it didn't. I'm happy I caught it because the last thing I want to do, listen, you're going to have regular things in a relationship. Any relationship, there's going to be problems, okay? But there's things that you do as a human being that you can't bring into a relationship because it's really going to cause problems. And before you do those things, you have to think about everybody in fuck involved, you know? And when you're 20, you don't think about that shit. And even when you're 30, you think about it, but you don't commit to it. As you get old and you look at this person that you love, you know, and it's, I'm not even talking about a girl or a guy. It could be your mother or whatever. If you get arrested and you live with your mother, and she's 72, it's not going to be good for her. Even right. if you just get arrested yeah. for 10 days or whatever. So anything you do, really, like I tell people all the time, listen, man, you know, I can do anything. If I stab somebody and go to jail, Felicia, so be it. I can handle myself and I can handle it. It's the people on the outside that can't handle it. They're the ones that are fucking worried about you. They're the ones that are saying, Jesus Christ, how can I even have a good fucking time when my buddy Joey or my wife or whatever is in fucking jail? So you have to think about Everything, and I, I would never want, my biggest fear, I gotta tell you, was for that poor woman to walk out and see my 400 pound ass on the floor with my arm green. 
She would never recover from that. But the beauty of it was she didn't ever need that in her life. She didn't ask for that. Do you know what I'm saying? Some people don't ask for some, but some people are that selfish that they want to put it on people. I don't believe in that. These are things you got to handle. It took me 10 years to marry that fucking girl. If I was smart, I would have married her after a week, which she would have. I remember messing around with her going, let's go to Vegas. She's like, yeah, I call my father. You know, I, I know this girl. I never wanted to break her heart. It meant that much to me not to break her heart. I could be a fuck up. You know, we could fall out of love, Felicia. Things happen. But no matter what, I didn't want to break her heart. Not hers. So you get in the car, you have the book, you guys leave. Yeah. And then what <laughs> Sorry happens? about that. I go home and I go right to the bathroom to pee and take a shit. And while I'm shitting, I do two bumps of coke. And it's two in the afternoon. But I couldn't take the pain in my soul anymore from being clean for those eight days. And then I went out in the living room and she had to know something because all of a sudden my fucking neck started bleeding again. And some normal person would have taken the rest of the cocaine and threw it away. What do you think I did? You don't even need to answer that. You told me a beautiful story the other day. About? Your pre-divorce. Uh, you, oh, you yes. were in deep thought because the children yeah. were involved. Yeah. It wasn't about you no, no more. You know, you get to this point when you're in a relationship with someone and, and you're like, oh man, I could totally fuck around. No one's going to catch me. You know, I'll, you know, if, uh, you know, I have a good life, but dude isn't uh, digging on me uh, sexually anymore. Like, I, you know, I could, I could, I was in a situation where it's like, I could just not say anything and have the best life for the next 25 years. I was in that situation. But you know what? It was starting to make me angry and it was starting to make me become like this angry little cunt and a house Nazi. And uh, and I just didn't, and I didn't want to be that person. And I was like, you know, if I stay here, yeah, I'll have everything I want in life. I will be taken care of completely. You know, but, but there's then, no happiness. There's no I. Th- but then I could write an adventure on a napkin about the rest of my life, and 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 it was at that point I was like, uh, uh, if I don't fix my life right now, I am not going to be able to control myself. I'm going to act out, and I'm going to burn up everyone else's fucking life. So I need to fix this. Between your children. Yeah. I mean, they're the ones that are, at the end of the day, that's the shame. Yeah, you know? that's, that's the, the thing, fucking that's shame. Like... And it doesn't have to be children. It could be a mom, a grandma, a brother, a sister that's around that Absolutely. really cares about you. Yeah. So you always have to take these things into consideration. And when you told me that story, it really touched me because I know you and you're a beautiful girl. You can have any man you want. You know, this guy can move. This For guy... about another three months and then, It doesn't oh, matter. No. You're a beautiful person inside. You always have a fucking man. Your heart... <laughs> And, and, and it's weird that uh, you actually told me that. You're like, you know, I thought about those fucking kids. And yeah, I thought about what it would do to those kids. And you could have lived 25 years and done what the fuck you wanted to, but it would have reflected on the kids because you wouldn't have been Absolutely. happy. And there's Absolutely. always a fucking short to come, you know, yeah, and that's, that's I a was beautiful like, thing. If I stay in this situation, uh, I'm just going to be a fucking nightmare to live around. Am I damaging my children more because I'm going to become this fucking nightmare because I'm not pursuing, my path has changed and it's not making me happy? Or do I damage them more by making their future financially a little riskier? It's scary, you know? And, and do, you know, and breaking up the family, you know? Like, sometimes I was talking with my girlfriend who is going through a, uh, a bad time, and, 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 you know, women, we get really angry for the fact that, uh, and it's not women, it's if you're in a relationship, whether you're the man or the woman or the person that's really unhappy. I feel like in my marriage, we're both kind of unhappy I don't think he was aware of it as much but something wasn't working anymore right so 
what I got so angry about and what a lot of people get angry about is if you're the person constantly saying, this isn't working, how, how can we change this? If you don't want to change it, help me dismantle this. You know, it's when you're in a relationship with something and you have to, with someone, and you have to do all the work either to, to make it bearable or to, or to dismantle it. You know what I mean? And, and then the responsibility and the blame gets put on you. But it's like, you, you know, if you're in a situation like that, don't fuck, you know, over your partner in some way. Uh, just deal. Because, deal with it. No, you, know, you got to deal with it's, shit. You know, it'll suck for six months, but then afterwards you can have as much pussy and dick as you want. I got an uh, email. And it's funny because a buddy of mine came over yesterday that I hung out. I hung out with both of these guys, him and his brother, but me and his brother were goombas when we were young. We robbed the jewelry store together. We robbed dealers together. I mean, it's endless. And we were tight. And I grew up, and he had that pain in his heart. And he had asked me, I got an email this week, which is really weird, about my daughter, that things will work out, that they heard the podcast. And then, and I forgot to tell you guys this, and I was talking to him. Your daughter heard the podcast? No, no, no. That, that th- this, he, yeah. this kid okay. heard the thing, and he, you know, my daughter's going to come back, and then be patient. And I was thinking about it. And it goes back to this, that one day I picked my daughter up. She was three or four. And I pick her up at daycare. I used to pick her up Wednesdays and Sundays and have her all day. And she says to me, Daddy, what's a spick? And I go, where would you hear that, right, you know? Yeah. And I'll never forget that when I went over and I blasted the guy, the guy that was dating my wife, that I was wrong for blasting. And, and, and here's the funny thing. I forgot to tell the home viewers at the time, I had two felonies in Colorado. So one more, I get automatic 25 years. But that was my daughter. She was a four-year-old girl. I grew up with that word spick in New York. And it wasn't the word spick that bothered me at all whatsoever. It doesn't bother me. I laugh about it. It was that that four-year-old knew it. If she knew it at 10, I wouldn't be pissed off. But at four, that shouldn't be her world. Do you follow me? Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget, I went down there with the two felonies, knowing that 25 years, and I pulled up to the thing, and I looked at him, and I asked him politely, and I remember smacking him the first time and punching him, and him going down and turning around and seeing my daughter crying in the car. Oh, and that's yeah. when I knew that yeah. this wasn't about me. This was about this little girl. Yeah. And, you know, when, sometimes I tell stories and I tell things about my daughter and people, well, you should talk to her. These were the things that got me away from her because this is what I grew up with. I grew up with my dad and me being in a fucking car and him seeing a dog cross the street tied to another dog and he'd get out and beat the fuck out of a guy and get back in the car like nothing happened. You know what, it's cool when you're five, but when you're 30 and you think about it, you're like, that should have never happened. I shouldn't have been exposed to that. And uh, you know, sometimes I didn't want my daughter to grow up in that hell, yelling and screaming, because I I was sick of yelling and screaming. My next move was to stab her, and nobody needs to see that, or to shoot her, or to punch her in the fucking mouth. So I, I, I always think that way. I always think about the people around me. Sometimes you just can't. Sometimes you gotta put a fucking stick to somebody's fucking head and suffer the consequences yourself. But some ninety percent of times, you really gotta think about the situations and the yeah. people around you. Absolutely. Should we give a shout out to our wonderful sponsors? Hell, motherfucking yeah! Skinindustries.com, a leader in motherfucking athletic apparel. Go there for T-shirts, hats, motorcycle accessories, but most importantly, for the limited edition Beauty and the Beast T-shirts. I spoke to Anthony last week, and we don't have that many left. Really? Yeah, we don't have Did that many left. The, the no, I haven't mailed anything this yeah. week because I had no computer till this morning. Now, oh yeah, Joey got a new computer. Yeah, everybody, some, some shit. and I still can't go to the Beauty and the Beast page. 
There's this, someone, two people have told me there's a link that's okay. not working okay. correctly, so I'm okay. going to check that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so that was it. I couldn't. Yeah. I've been trying to go to the page to read the comments. I did go to the email and mm-hmm. read, read. By the way, the comments have been fantastic. Yes. Yeah, no. I like that everyone's kind of talking to each other and yes, calming like down a bit. Pretty soon after the, after yeah. you go on your trip in June, I'm gonna we're gonna put up a board, uh, a thread board, so we could talk to people every once in a while. Well, you can comment on that yourself. Yeah, but then I have to comment and wait. I want to go to a board where 10 of us could go on all at once oh. and talk about the being the beast oh. thing. I don't know how to do it. Right. No, I'm I sure need, okay, that I'll do the that. master at yeah. arms will figure yeah. it out. And yeah. that's it, my love. You know, it was another fun-filled week. You look beautiful, as usual. Um, thank you very much. I know you're lying, but it is very No, you look very sexy. Garage. I tell you all the fucking time. I tell you if you don't look mm. bad, but you never mm. look bad. Thank you very much. Sexy motherfucker. And, uh, uh, How many people fucking sent you love on that drunk cast the other night? Oh, the How many motherfuckers said fun. you were beautiful? Oh, we got to talk about the other night. What okay, happened? so uh, Leota Machida. 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 Oh, my God. Like, <laughs> right? Like, Did you I like was... Steven Seagal, too? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> With his glasses and his black jacket on. I know. I was, uh, I that kick to his face. Holy shit. I didn't think that dude had, I had no, I didn't know who he was. I was like, what the fuck? And then the other guy that got hit and he had Dominic, the, whatever. Yeah, yeah, he was yeah, like, Dominic. you know, half of a Hellboy, but it was a blood Fucking blister. Tremendous. What he the was, fuck was that? It's like a hematoma. You just pop it after. You put some ice on it, it goes back down. But those, the, the, the thing that he was losing like that with the bump on his head, and he was still on top of Jose Aldo in the fifth round. I know. And I always I knew that kid was going to bring it. He's no, I knew that. That was crazy. I knew that he was probably the closest of upsetting somebody. Yeah. And, but Aldo's so fucking good. Aldo's yeah. so fucking good that... I'm almost getting addicted. Yeah, no, I we're going to watch the Memorial Day one. And, yeah. uh, and then when the a... drunk cast was fun, I was, when we went into the drunk cast, I was like looking at like, and how did, and what is this, you know, <laughs> what is this box right here? And why is everything plugged into that? You know, because he, he has it he has down the, 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 with cameras and different uh, monitors and, you know, and 20 people in and out. And The funny thing was crazy. Red Bank called me yesterday. He's like, what the fuck was in that banana bread? He got really fucked oh, up. Because, really? see, I gave... What happened was when I, they made it this time, I think the oven twisted because the top was okay, like regular banana bread cover, but the bottom was black. And it even tasted weird. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> when I ate the half of it, I was fucked up. Well, you know what? Uh, I am a mother. And uh, being on the podcast, the drunk cast, that was because everyone's doing, you know, puffing away. And do you want some? Fuck no, I don't want some on camera. <laughs> you know what I mean? What's wrong with you? You know, but I, uh, I, uh, you know, not that I would do that, but uh, you know what I'm saying. So it was a good time for all. But we will be back next week on the same bat time, same bat channel, bitches. Felicia, throw these cocksuckers a kiss. Mm-hmm. I love you, bitches. Stay black. 